0: Welcome to Series 3 of Deep Pollution from SalvageWire. In this podcast we interview interesting and inspiring leaders to discuss issues that are facing the vehicle salvage and the vehicle recycling industries, along with other leaders who can challenge and inspire the whole industry. In this episode we welcome Steve Hankins from IAA. Steve has led UK operations since HBC was purchased by IAA and has recently completed a wholesale transformation of the operating system that the company uses to ensure swift, safe, and efficient vehicle collection, storage, and sale for their clients and their customers. Let's listen to our conversation with Steve. Steve, welcome to the Deepolution Podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to be part of this. As a way of introduction, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your career and your current role?
1: OK, well, first and foremost, Andy, thanks very much for, for inviting me to, to join the podcast. Um, yes. So in 1978, I left school and I served an apprenticeship and qualified as a motor vehicle technician. I qualified in 1985. Um, I've worked in varying roles at two franchise dealerships. One was Vauxhall and one was Volkswagen Audi. Um, And when I say Volkswagen Audi, in those days, the brands were combined and the brands shared the same workshop and the same showroom. Um, In 1994, I moved then to the insurance industry. So I started my insurance career as an in-house engineer and then moved firstly to a manager of the motor engineers department and then I moved to chief motor engineer. Um, When I left the insurance industry in 2009, I left as an associate director uh, with the responsibility of overseeing all aspects of motor claims. So I joined then HBC Vehicle Services in 2009 as managing director and 11 years later, that is the position that I still hold today. Mm -hmm. With, With regards to my current role, Um, Well, we've invested enormously in the UK over the last few years. Uh, We've brought on some new sites, we've Mm -hmm. purchased lots of new trucks, we've introduced uh, new roles within the business, and we've brought on some some great people. Um, We've invested significantly in technology, and we now have a new operating platform, a new logistics management system, uh, which is for our transportation and routing of our trucks, and a fully transparent um, seller portal. So uh, we've recently moved from a timed auction platform to a digital auction platform, and this gives our buyers a quicker, more reactive buying experience. Um, so all of these initiatives, including the technology improvements, have been my responsibility to oversee. So I have to say it's been an exciting few years for me. Mm.
0: And knowing knowing the insurance, or you know the the, the... Um, salvage auction market how different is that digital auto platform or digital auction platform to what you had uh, previously
1: okay so we used to have um, a timed auction platform um, and we would advertise cars for about seven days that, that would vary in, in length um, and within that seven days we can um, or the buyer could, could add a bid um, and it would just uh, accumulate the, the number of bids that people put on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and and when the auction was time to end, that's when it ended, albeit there was a two minute sort of um, lag, if you like, that um, if somebody put a, a bid on within the last two minutes, then it extended and mm-hmm. so forth. Um, so we've gone now to a digital platform. Um, we call it auction now. Um, and what it is, we still advertise the cars for a period of time. Um, Buyers and bidders can put pre-bids on them, but the actual auctioning of a vehicle now is live, mm-hmm. and it's it's done physically, mm-hmm. um, online, and um, the, the the whole experience will probably last about ninety seconds. So yeah. the auctioning of the vehicle is very very quick.
0: Yeah. yeah. And and if if you've put a bid on on the um, on the vehicle, do you have to be in the live auction to to you know? watch it or, or is, is, is everything done automatically for you?
1: Um, it's both. So you can put a pre-bid on and <coughs> yeah. you can put a bid on uh, your highest amount mm-hmm. and then the system will automatically bid for you. Yeah. Or you can be present on the online auction and bid manually according to right. how far you want to go.
0: Brilliant, okay. And you mentioned a, a logistics platform. Um, uh,
1: what does that achieve? What does that do for you? Okay, so so that's um, a, a Dutch company that we involved, um, and what it gives us is better routing. Right. So it's a capacity planning, and it gives us routes throughout the country, um, so that we can plan the truck routing, what they're going to collect, uh, how they're going to collect them, and so forth. Okay. As you know, you know you have to you have to arrange for certain cars to go in certain positions on the mm-hmm. truck. Mm-hmm. Um, so all, all of that transportation system will allow us to do that.
0: And I, I assume that the drivers have got P- uh, PDAs or tablets or something in the cab that, that's that's helping them?
1: They have PDAs. Yeah. So PDAs will give them their work, but it won't give them their routes. Mm-hmm. So the transportation system will give them the route mm-hmm. um, and the PDA will, will just give them the work that they have to collect, the condition that it's in, the model, the address yeah. and so forth. Yeah,
0: brilliant. Lovely. <clears throat> so, so there's been a lot of work going on behind the scenes because one of the things that we we expected, and you know, coming from the insurance industry myself, um, when IAA came into the UK when they purchased HBC, we were sort of expecting a you know a quite a quite an aggressive um, uh, sort of search for contracts, um, but that didn't appear, appear to have ha- to happen. It didn't appear appear to go you know, to move that way. Um, and it seemed that sort of, you know, almost nothing was happening. But what you're saying is you've actually been doing a lot of work behind the scenes.
1: Yeah, we have, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, you're quite right. I mean, our competitor entered the UK in 2007. And their strategy really was to acquire businesses to enable them to grow. Mm. Um, whilst the two of us like, might look the same on the outside, IAA is completely different. The market didn't need a Me Too player. Mm-hmm. But it did need someone with a different approach, yeah. um, and we approached the market in a very in a very new way, and again, this comes back to our um, technology and innovation. so um, we embarked on a journey which involved bringing customers along the journey with us, right. using our technology to give those customers exactly what they needed and Our strategy was really around challenging the norm uh, rather than following the norm. Mm-hmm. Um, So if I can give you an example of our sort of value creation through technology, then this would be our 360 degree um, platform viewing process that we introduced at the end of last year. Mm -hmm. So with certain criteria in place, um, each car that we advertise online um, will have gone through our 360 degree viewing process. It's not just a simple walk around video. It's a virtual reality experience and as close as possible to actually um, viewing the vehicle. Right. Um, You can stop it, you can zoom in, you can zoom out as you please. So that gives you the benefit of identifying any usable parts Mm -hmm. um, that you as a breaker may need. And it also gives you the same process from inside the vehicle. Um, So again, you can zoom in, you can zoom out and you can determine the condition of the interior of the car. Wow,
0: Wow, that that is amazing that is amazing and you mentioned technology um, and technology that's helping you uh, improve the business improve your your um customer communication but what about the technology in the vehicles themselves and the complexity um you know, how do you see that this is is changing the work that you do and 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 the um and, and the effort that you've got to put in to actually getting data and information out to out to your clients how do you see the changes over say what the vehicles were like 10 or 15 years ago
1: oh i mean there's been a huge change absolutely and again you know this this comes back to the technology that that we deploy and the technology mm. in the vehicles mm. um you know i mean the, the pandemic really like any every other business has has had to take immediate steps to to um, Safeguard staff and everyone attending the site. Um, you know, we stopped um, physical viewing on site. Um, and again, the 360 degree viewing process that we, we implemented has taken place at the place of that um, on site physical viewing. Um, you know, technology is fascinating at the moment. Um, you know, we are a technology company um, and we are developing lots of technology as we speak.
0: Yeah. And, and what are you doing, particularly regarding um, high voltage, electric and hybrid vehicles? Are you doing anything to educate your, your team, your drivers, your staff, but also your customers about these vehicles?
1: Um, absolutely, we are. Um, we, we have a training scheme that is running at the moment, um, educating our drivers and our staff on how to handle electric vehicles. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't say that we do anything at the moment with customers. Um, but um, it certainly is on our radar to look at. Yeah, yeah. But we have a full training program ongoing as we speak. Brilliant.
0: Now, obviously, start of the year we had, uh, as well as a pandemic, we also had Brexit. Um, how has that changed the marketplace for you uh, regarding you know, customers, uh, vehicle export, overseas customers and things like that?
1: Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, Brexit is still very new. Um, And, of course, we had the country locked down really since the the first week of January because of COVID. So it's difficult to see what the full impact of of Brexit has been. Um, The pound is currently at a 30-year high, so it's costing more for the overseas buyer to transport vehicles back to their own country. Mm -hmm. Um, Because of COVID, we saw that our buyer, or indeed the the transportation companies that, that they were using, They were not allowed to leave their own country so what we had to do at IAA is set up a transportation service so whether the delivery is inside the UK or whether it's to an overseas um, location we we have a solution Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, we already do supply UK deliveries and we have done for many years obviously Um, but we can now provide transportation to any UK docks for onward travel Mm -hmm. Um, And that goes to the buyer's own country with a facility that follows and tracks the car.
0: Right.
1: Um, It tracks the car throughout its entire journey and right to its end destination. Amazing. I mean, in my 11 years at at HBC and now IAA, you know, scrap metal prices are at an all-time high. Um, I remember the days when scrap prices were £18 per Mm tonne. Yeah. because of the low values, I remember the laybys throughout the UK having abandoned cars in them. <laughs> because they were just worthless; <coughs> <laughs> They had no resale value at all. Uh, scrap prices are now way over a hundred pounds a ton, yeah. um, and because of these factors, there is a demand for salvage vehicles, whether it be overseas or whether it be in the UK.
0: Yeah, and how do you see the whole marketplace um, developing over the next sort of, uh, you know, be it the next couple of years, as, as you know, pandemic. Dies away and 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 Brexit becomes, you know, a, a little bit easier to get around. But also, you know, the opportunities for the for the vehicle recycling industry. I don't know how good your crystal ball is, but what do you think it's going to look like in sort of two or five or ten years time?
1: Let me split that into into two. Then, so so you know, opportunities really for us. Firstly, um, so there's an awful lot of um, ongoing work with technology and merchandising. Um, Earlier this year, we, as I said earlier, we released the digital auction platform. Um, So, you know, we have the buyers that we have on board. We receive excellent feedback from them. Um, Our breaker buyers specifically around auction now tell us that they've moved to IAA um, for buying their vehicles purely because the auction platform is very quick. Uh Um, It's easy to buy from and it's simple to use. And also with minimal on-screen time yeah. uh, so, you know, to purchase their vehicles. As I explained earlier, you know, each vehicle now is sold within about 90 seconds. Mm-hmm. So that's the on-screen time that I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, the crystal ball, well, you know, two, two years time, five years time. Um, again, it's all about technology and really shortening cycle times
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, for, for, for sellers and insurers. Uh, we are investing very heavily in data analytics and data science. Uh, there's been a really good response to how we're deploying behavioral segmentation to better match vehicles with our buyers Um, and and also we've had our data science team present to several of the UK uh, major motor insurers Um, the reaction from insurers has been remarkable Uh, and then really electric vehicles and hybrids are going to play a significant part in our transportation And, you know, moving forward, that's not just cars, but that's trucks as well. Um, Clearly, it's got a way to go. Um, To my knowledge, there isn't a circular supply chain for battery disposal in the UK. I think there are, um, there seems to be a lot of people doing parts of the process, but no one can yet sort of guarantee a commercial return Ah. like you can with salvage. So um, these initiatives are moving forward. I think they're moving forward because of government funding, but um, clearly the motor industry will be a very different animal in five to 10 years time. Yeah.
0: Now, can I go back on a little bit you said, said, said just now, you said behavior segmentation. Mm. Can you explain that in a bit more detail as to exactly what what that achieves? Okay. Um,
1: so, so, yes, this is about um, the... The behavior of buyers and what they actually purchase. Um, So whether they purchase electric vehicles Mm -hmm. um, or hybrid vehicles or, um, you know, the the, the data science behind it. So it's placing the right vehicle with the right buyer. Right. So that's what I mean by that. It's taking a segment of the buyers that that are um, within our database and applying the vehicles that we think would best fit.
0: Yeah those, those We'll come back to our conversation with Steve in a moment. SalvageWire have been supporting the vehicle recycling and dismantling industry for years with their specially designed accredited training courses on the safe handling of electric and hybrid vehicles. These courses are now even more relevant to the industry as the volumes of these vehicles increase. So learn how to keep your team and your business safe by registering for one of our courses, many of which are available online so you do not have to leave your office, your study or your workshop to complete the training. Contact SalvageWire through our website www.salvagewire.com Let's get back to our conversation with Steve. Now, reclaimed parts is, is a hot topic once again, and uh, it looks like there's a true desire within the industry to make it work. We've got the uh, VRA certification um, and the eBay part certification programme. Is IAA doing anything to support the certification and provide certified parts to the collision repair industry?
1: Okay, so, I mean, first and foremost, I think, We all want to see us up our game where recycling is concerned, whether that's vehicle parts or whether that's within our day-to-day home life. Um, IAA doesn't directly supply parts to the collision repair industry, but for obvious reasons, we are very supportive. Um, IAA is one of the largest suppliers of reclaimed parts into the market through the sales that we make to vehicle dismantlers. And vehicle dismantlers are some of our biggest customers. Mm Reclaim car parts clearly aligns with our um, overarching objective to maximize the value of a vehicle over its lifespan. Um, And our view of course, is that when a vehicle reaches um, the end of its initial life, that vehicle should pass to another owner who can then begin the vehicle's next phase. In practical terms, of course, that means that the new owner will repair the vehicle, break it, um, or then recycle whatever can be recycled at the end of it mm-hmm. um, I think the important thing is you know reclaiming car parts is an important element uh, of the re- recycling ecosystem um, it can deliver cost savings it can deliver some environmental benefits but on the other hand we need to be aware and very conscious that it does pose some logistical and practical restrictions um, and that limits its scalability. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, You said about certification, Um, you know, well, again, I'm going to use technology because certification ensures parts being supplied to body shops and vehicle repairers are accurately described. Mm -hmm. And in turn, what those recyclers receive from us have to be accurately described as well. So um, going back to technology and our 360 degree imaging tool, um, that's exactly what it does But in addition to our 360-degree tour, we have a 10-second video um, with with sound of the engine running. And any bidder or buyer can hear the engine running at the time. Um, They, A, know it runs. uh, B, they can listen for any abnormal noises. Um, And what we're doing here, really, is is giving the buyer peace of mind um, that what they are buying is what they expect to get it when it's delivered or when it's yeah. collected, and it actually de-risks
0: the purchase. Amazing. Really, 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 really good. Really good. Um, I, 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 being being an electric vehicle specialist, I've got to pick up on when you say, you know, you, you get a 10 second video of the engine running. Um, mm. We're
1: going to have to drop yeah. that when we get electric vehicles, aren't we? That might be a bit difficult. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is here and now. Yeah, okay. we, we will come up with something to uh, to justify the electric yeah. vehicles. <clears throat> yeah. Now,
0: obviously, you you are selling you're selling vehicles to to a very l- large marketplace, and you've got a number of different types of buyers who are coming to IAA for different reasons, whether they're coming to buy salvage, to export, to break vehicles, or whatever, um, and and. They all we've all got to sort of fall into what the government says and what legislation says about how we deal with these vehicles, how we treat these vehicles. Is there one thing that the UK government can do that would make your life or the life of IAA so much better.
1: Okay, um, I think. I think it's probably wider than just um, you know what um, what would make IAA's life better Um I think. The government has to do more to protect the public um you know the salvage industry has been under scrutiny now for for many years um a suggestion a few years ago was that vehicles should be repaired by certified repairers only um and at that time you you will remember we had the Pass 125 accreditation Yeah. Um, and there was a campaign around where they were suggesting that salvage vehicles should be repaired to Pass 125 standards. Um, to my mind, that was that hill was just a bit too big to climb. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, probably not so much to do with recycling, but relates really just to salvage. Um, one scheme that has been debated previously, and it has been mentioned on one of your earlier podcasts, in mm-hmm. fact is that if a vehicle is written off and it's given a category, then your MOT is null and void. Um, And I think that's a good idea. And of course that will require the repairer to obtain a new MOT certificate uh, before the car is re-registered and then resold. Mm -hmm. Um, In turn, the quality of the workmanship and the quality of the parts being used during that repair um, will have to meet MOT standards and regulations. Which, of course, year on year, are getting more stringent. Exactly. Yeah.
0: yeah. Very much, so, Lovely. Thank you. Now, you've held and, and you, you you highlighted your your career, you know, within the uh, the retail side of the industry, the insurance side of the industry, and now and now with with HBC and IAA. And you've held a number of different positions across your working life. You've obviously not sat back and rested on your successes. So, what drives you to continuously move forward? to grow your knowledge, your skills and your influence? Okay,
1: I think the first thing here is to work hard. Mm -hmm. Um, I like working within a team and we have a great team of people that I work alongside here in the UK, but it's also wider than that. Um, I enjoy working with the wider Canadian and North American teams. I enjoy discussing and developing new ideas and and as I've spoken about already, really, you know, I enjoy following those ideas right through to to implementation. Yeah, um, I think I have a very curious mind um, and I I like to and need to know um, how things operate and understand how something works.
0: Yeah. And, and, and is there any one person or or, or uh, any, any institution or something like that that's influenced your working life as you've as you've gone through that? As a, as a leader, as a mentor
1: or something? Um, not one person, and I certainly won't name them by name, but there's been a couple of people at my last organisation, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, one was the FD and one was the CEO. Um, they were both very inspiring people. Yeah. They worked hard. They gained an enormous amount of respect from the people that they worked with. Um, and they really taught me how to run a team and a business and also how to conduct myself as an individual. And, you know, it was all going back a few years, but it was all about you know, sharing the same values. Um, I guess there's four really values that spring to mind, integrity. So, I mean, that goes without saying. Hard working, as I said previously, I like to work hard, work hard, play hard. Um, structured approach, you know, I think, um, it, you know, what, what you do has to be very structured. And then I suppose finally, you know, never be a, afraid to to try something new, you know. Don't just jump on the bandwagon. Challenge the norm. And the old saying here, I think, is if you see a bandwagon, it's too late. So that's it.
0: Or, or in other words, try and create the bandwagon, and other people will jump. Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. And you mentioned earlier about uh, you know new. New sites, new trucks, new new staff coming into coming into the business. What would is there any advice you can give young and aspiring leaders who want to grow and develop their leadership skills in the industry, or in other words, what advice would the current Steve give to the twenty two year old Steve?
1: Okay, this one's quite easy, really, for me. Um, so uh, there's been many quotes given to me during my working life, and they all, you know, it's all around working hard, challenge, but don't confront. Consider all angles, not just the one that feels right to you. But there are two quotes that have sat with me for many, many years and, and I use these two quotes uh, today and, and within my teams today. And many of my people could probably recite these to me if I asked them. So the first one is surround yourself with good, honest, hardworking, knowledgeable people. That's number one. And number two really core is be transparent. Never put yourself in a position where someone is likely to say, really? Because at that point, you've got a problem. Brilliant.
0: That is amazing. That's so, so good. Anybody listening to the podcast, just pause it now. Just rewind the last 30 seconds and re-listen to that because uh, that is gold, absolute gold for for your leadership. Um, And the final question, and we ask all our guests on the podcast this final question. What was your first car? And do you have any special memories of that car
1: okay um my first car was a mini it was a it was a 10 year old mini and it was my pride and joy um memories probably not to share on this podcast but um i did buy this car using my own saved up cash and it was just after my 17th birthday Uh, the problem was that I, that I blew the engine on it before I'd even passed my test. Um, so I had to hunt local scrapyards, and that was in the days where they stacked four high on top of each other. Yeah. And I, I had to find a replacement engine in readiness for me to be able to legally drive it. Um, so that was one memory. I, I think the other memory about the Mini was this was in the days of Pioneer Sound System, yeah. where um, it was all the range and it was the only one to have. If you were cool, you had a Pioneer sound system. It was worth more than the car. The speakers filled the door panels completely. They filled the rear parcel shelf like spaceships. Um, and if you turn the volume up, it would vibrate every nut, bolt and screw in the car. But um, it was the one to have, so it had to be done. Yeah. Um, I always remember my parents saying that they could hear me coming long before I arrived. home. Yep.
0: Okay. Yeah. I, funnily enough, I actually got the same from my parents as well.
1: Absolutely.
0: <laughs> Brilliant. That is amazing, Steve. That has been really, really good. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for the invite.
0: A big thank you to Steve for his time and his knowledge. You will find more details on IAA in the notes for this episode. Please subscribe. And take the time to like and share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. And please give us a rating. And we look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. Have a great day.